You're listening to Theo Live, a live YouTube stream podcast hosted by me, Dean Lentini. Every week, I try to give you biblical theology for normal people. If you're interested in hopping into the conversation, you can catch us live every Monday on my YouTube channel. Link in the show notes. Now let's get into it. Hey, welcome to Theo Live, episode 25. Another, another Monday, another Monday. Lots of stuff going on this past weekend. Oh boy. It's been it's been weird the last week and a half or so. Uh, a lot of developments, I'll say, from people that uh well, used to be pretty well respected at least on this channel. And uh then then some stuff's been going on. Um going to be talking about it today. I'm going to wait a couple minutes to see who else is going to hop in here. Uh, to the chat. Uh, if you are here, though, uh, do me a favor and uh, hit that like button. Let's me know that people are caring about the content that I'm making, uh, and supposedly it helps YouTube know like who to push this out to, and maybe other people should see it. I don't know if that's actually accurate, but I know that I like it. I like it when I see the likes. That helps me to know. All right, I'm doing something right. So hit that like button if you're new to the channel. Welcome. Man, a lot of people have found the channel in the last uh, 10 days or so uh, with all the MacArthur stuff, and I have been making it. Now, some people are not happy that I've been making a lot of content about John MacArthur, and to those people, I say, talk about it on your own channel. <laughs> this, is, this is my channel. I talk about what I want, and also, when I have someone that I'm like, it's not like I know John MacArthur, but I've grown up listening to him. I've grown up respecting him. And so I, it was personal to me. And then there's other personal things I don't need to get into of why this story resonates with me. Um, but I think it's an important story. So, yeah, I've been making quite a few videos about that last week and a half or so. So with that, there have been a lot of people who have found my channel. So if you're one of those people, I want to say thank you for subscribing to the channel. Or even if you're just casually watching, that's fine too. But think about it. Think about subscribing to the channel. Um, but we basically do this every Monday. Uh, I pick a topic or maybe a few topics depending on what's going on. And then I talk about it. Today we're going to be talking about celebrity pastors because I do feel like the last 10 days we've been really uh, finding out that celebrity pastoring and like the, the idea of pastors being so big in their churches that they don't have as much interaction with the congregation that we would normally see in a typical church, uh, that maybe that's a problem, not just for like the Brian Houston's of the world and Stephen Furtick's and guys like that, uh, but also maybe even for some in the conservative camp. Now, also, you know, with so many people coming to my channel last week and a half or so, I feel like it's important to say that I am conservative. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Reformed Baptist. So that's the kind of perspective that I'm going to come to. Uh, so like if if you don't like that, you might not necessarily like my channel. I'm just, I'm just letting you know. I like to be upfront. I like to be honest. Uh, and uh, sometimes I'm a little too honest. But I'm just saying, like, that's my perspective. So I'm still very conservative. And I think that is also part of the problem of the last 10 days or so uh, 
is I, I've seen this around the internet quite a bit of uh, just so many conservatives and so many people who would be in my camp, uh, you know, kind of Reformed Baptist, Calvinistic, like that kind of deal, uh, that they just have been silent on this issue, which leads a lot of people to say, oh, okay, it's only people who would be a little bit more uh, left on, on some things, uh, not to call them full on liberals or anything, but, uh, that they wouldn't just, they wouldn't go into that camp of like MacArthur and Steve Lawson and like the shepherds guys, they would be really far away from that. And it leads those kinds of people to say, like, are we alone in viewing this thing as a serious problem? Uh, so I want you to know that I, I look at things through my own lens of, yes, I'm a Reformed Baptist, uh, but I look at the lens through Scripture and try to, you know, judge accordingly. And sometimes that means I'm going to side with someone who is conservative, and sometimes that means I'm not going to. Uh, so I, I'd like to think that I'm an independent thinker, is what I'm really trying to say. Um, but also... I'm just letting you know up front that that's the perspective that I come at this with. Uh, also, you know, I wanted to kind of give a little bit of like ground rules for my channel, because like I said, the last 10 days, a lot of new faces around here. Uh, and I want to be clear about a few things that I expect uh, from interactions with my audience, which also means like here in the chat, of course, but also in the comments. Um, there's just a few things that you need to know, um, if you're going to be commenting and liking stuff. And I, I really appreciate that by the way. So hop in the chat if you haven't already, I know sometimes it's a little weird. Maybe you just watch videos and you're like, I don't want to hop in the chat. Like I, I promise that when I look at things, I'm going to try to be as gracious as possible and read it in its best light. And I don't like to pick on people. So if you're thinking about that, and you're just like a little nervous about hopping into the chat and letting your voice be known. Um, think about think about hopping in. It's a conversation today. We're going to have a dialogue, I hope. Um, but that also being said, I do have some ground rules. Uh, no cussing. No cussing on my channel. Uh, you can cuss in your real life, and there, there's a whole debate on that that we can have. Uh, but uh, when you're here on the channel, if I see cussing, I will delete uh, that comment right away. Uh, some other things would be just being kind, be kind and gracious to each other as you interact. And I ask that you be kind and gracious with me, uh, be patient with me. Uh, sometimes I have tech problems, which I'm hoping I'm not having today. Okay. I was having like some glitching problem and I had to update Ecamm. So I'm hoping that that doesn't become a thing, but be patient, uh, be kind to one another. Um, no links. That's a big one. I see a lot of people dropping links and comments and saying, check out this teacher and check out this teacher and see what they say over here. Uh, on my channel, I don't, I don't allow links in the comments. Uh, you can talk about someone and talk about their video, uh, but let that person look it up. Uh, I don't like links because, you know, a lot of them are going to be fine and good, maybe links to other YouTube channels and videos. Uh, but then, like, if I let it slide... I've just seen it go wrong so many times where it's like, oh, that looks like a fine link. And then you click on the link and it's like, whoa, what was that? So just as a principle on my channel, no links. Uh, so if you want to share something with me, uh, you could reach out to me on Twitter or on Instagram, uh, on Twitter at Dean Lentini and on Instagram 
at Grumpy Baptist. I put that in the description of the video every time. So those would be the best ways to get a hold of me. I don't really give out my email or anything like that. So I'm just I'm just trying to let you guys know for people who are new to the channel. Uh, that's that's the way I interact and that's the way I would like for us all to interact with one another. And so every Monday I do one of these episodes. I call it Theo Live. Uh, so Theology Live. And uh, we've done 25 of these things. Uh, I had a little bit of a break in December when my mom passed away. But other than that, we've been pretty consistent. And then what I do on my channel is usually Thursday, sometimes Wednesday, sometimes Friday, depending on what's going on in the week, I'll drop another video and that'll just be a standalone video. And uh, then on Saturdays for the last three Saturdays, I'm going to continue this series because I like it, uh, <laughs> but that will be best books. So this last Saturday, I dropped my best books on church culture because I feel like, you know, with everything going on right now, it's important for us to rethink how we view uh, the culture within our local church. Uh, what what should it look like and what should the paradigms be as far as authority and influence and power and all of that. So I recommended five books uh, that I thought were really helpful in uh, trying to shape that church culture. And that's not just for pastors. Uh, that's, that's something we all need to be a part of. We're all a part of shaping the culture that we're in. And so uh, if you're interested in that, you can watch that. And next Saturday, I'll be dropping another one. All right. So let's say hi to people who are here. Uh, we got Chester Diaz hopping in and saying, not at all, not at all pastors are pastors, but they are celebrities. MacArthur, Furtick, and more are false prophets. When I watched John MacArthur shaming Eileen Gray, that was not an amazing grace. Well, um, I appreciate you hopping in and letting me know your opinion on it. Uh, I, I would agree definitely with that last part, that shaming. You could watch all the videos I made last week about that. I would agree with you. Chester, thanks for hopping in. Uh, Corey, yo, so glad to be here on a live chat. I appreciate it, man. Uh, and Chester letting me know he's watching from Toronto. Hey, Canada in the house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that you got one of these hats, Chester. Um, I'm here in Canada. That's basically what that means. Uh, John, John Hayes hopping in. Everybody needs to Rick Roll Theo. Thanks, man. Really appreciate that, John. It's a thing. It's a it's a joke around my channel. Not one that I'm particularly fond of, John. It was started by my wife. She says that. Theo Live makes it sound like my th my name is Theo, and, and it's not. So, it's theology. It's not that complicated, John. All right. Uh, let's hop into this. Oh, John, responding back. Oh, no. Haven't been able to be here lately to blow up your live stream. <laughs> so, he's making up for lost time. I appreciate that, John. <laughs> um, so, Today, we are going to be talking about pastors and celebrity pastors, and I want to know your thoughts on this whole paradigm of celebrity pastor, and like, I, it's, it's a polarizing thing, right? Like a lot of things in our culture now. Uh, so I want to know what you think. Like, is, is the idea of a celebrity pastor, is that okay or not? And today, specifically, what I'm going to be talking about is, does that the idea of like celebrity culture attached to an elder at a local church. 
does that still mean that they're actual pastors? Like when, when it becomes a thing of where it's a guy and a lot of times, you know, this guy is barely involved in his local church. So I'm kind of showing my cards a little bit already. Um, but a lot of times he's at least detached from the local church in, in a way, um, because there's so many people that go to it because you can't have a celebrity. At least I don't think you can have a celebrity pastor without a mega church. I think that, that, that platform, that big platform of having thousands of people attend, um, maybe in person, maybe not, maybe, maybe, uh, even through these kinds of ways through, uh, the internet. Um, but does that change it from, you know, what we see in like first Timothy three, we're going to take a really good long look at that today and ask whether these people are pastors or not. Or maybe they're just celebrities. Uh, and the reason why I'm talking about this is, of course, you know, uh, it's one thing. Uh, this is this is kind of new for me, to be honest. Uh, I haven't had very many people that I currently respect and admire and have been benefited from. Um, I haven't had many of those guys fall or, like, get put out in the news as, like, something really negative happened and it, it's caused me to like really rethink how much respect I have for that person, uh, which, you know, I'm just, I'm just a guy in Saskatchewan, Canada. So it's not like my respect is something that needs to be had from everyone. Um, but I've never really had that with someone that I'm currently like respecting and admiring, uh, until this last week. And you've, if you've been around my channel, uh, you know, that I've made these videos about John MacArthur and I've talked quite a bit about how much I respect him uh, and growing up from listening to him. I mean, I've got a lot of his books are just out of shot right here. Um, and like, I've got his commentaries over there. I've got a huge box of John MacArthur books in storage just back over there. Um, so like, I, I really respect and admire the guy. Um, now there have been some things the last couple of years that I've had disagreements with, but for me, I can disagree with someone and still respect them and still get a lot out of them. Like even this past Saturday, I talked about, uh, a church called Tove, that book and recommending it and saying there's, yeah, there's some things I might disagree with how he, Scott McKnight and Laura Berenger, how they get to a certain conclusion. Um, but I really respect the work that they put out and I think it's a very helpful book so I can disagree with someone and still respect them and admire them. Um, and that's usually been the case. You know, I haven't had, you know, I'm not a Furtick fan. Maybe you are. Um, or at the time when things went really South, um, I'm watching your live stream, but can't log in. Oh, okay. I'm getting, getting some, uh, Twitter messages too. I appreciate it. Andrew, thanks for watching. I know you're having some issues, uh, logging in, but I appreciate you watching. Uh, but even when things went down with Mark Driscoll, you know, I had already hopped off that bus because there were some other things that were going on. Uh, and also I was in a different place. And so like, it's never been something that I'm present with. So this kind of has, uh, impacted me quite a bit of just, uh, looking around and being like, oh man, maybe it's this whole thing. Maybe it's this whole idea of celebrity pastors that are a major problem in, I'll say North American evangelicalism, because that's what I know. That's what I have experience with. I'm not going to speak for other cultures. If you are from a different culture, 
Let me know whether you guys have that idea of a celebrity pastor and what that's like. But here in North America, that's that's a major problem that I see. And with the John MacArthur stuff, uh, yeah, it's, it's come to light. Um, but uh, before I get too far going into this thing, uh, I do want to also say that Julie Royce has put out a statement by Eileen Gray. And I feel like I have a responsibility to show that to you because I've talked so much about uh, this whole situation on, on my channel. And so if you haven't seen this, maybe you're not on Twitter. Not everyone is. Um, but if you are, you should follow me at Dean Lentini. Um, um, but, but this, this is, is what Julie Royce uh, put out. out. Uh, I, I think, think this was today. Is today the 20th? 20th? I think so. Uh, so a statement from Eileen Gray, the supportive responses from so many people who love Jesus have truly been a comfort. Thank you all for demonstrating the love of Jesus. I hear the cries of many for John MacArthur to respond. Honestly, I doubt he will respond. I too doubt that. He and Grace Community Church members ignored me for years, and I don't expect them to show love or care now. My stepping forward was not to get them to respond. To them, I'm as good as dead, just as they would want it. So obviously there's a lot of hurt there. Um, my hope is that women, children who were spiritually abused, slandered by John MacArthur, Carrie Hardy, Bill Shannon, uh, and Grace Community Church staff, elders, members, Masters University, Masters Seminary, there's so many arms of this thing. Grace to you or other ministries they've influenced would come forward and share their stories. Yes, it will hurt, but will also bring healing. So, so that's, that's coming, coming directly from Eileen Gray through Julie Royce. Uh, so I, I felt like it was the responsible thing was to show you that and let you know that obviously she agrees with Julie Royce reporting uh, of it. I know that's been something of like people being like, well, does she really know? Like, you know, there's like a line of communication sometimes like the game telephone. You know, sometimes you, you miss some things from communication from one person to the other. I've seen that argument go around in regards to the situation, and obviously that's not true. Um, that's coming from Eileen Gray. So I'm sure that she is uh, thankful. She says so. Supportive responses um, uh, who love Jesus have truly been a comfort. So um, I, I would encourage you to go and like that on Twitter. Uh, but I just I just felt like I wanted to show you that. Um, let's, let's keep on saying hi to some people. Uh, Paul, the Baptist, uh, many men are doing ministry management rather than pastoral ministry. Greetings from Venice beach, California, man, Venice beach, uh, Christopher Santana, happy to be here. Do you touch on videos like the unpardonable sin or eternal security? Um, I haven't, I haven't yet. Uh, but those are the kind of topics that I would discuss. Uh, so stay tuned. I might be talking about those things. Uh, Sue Chapel, Hi, y'all. I'm new to these videos. I appreciate you hopping in. Uh, so thanks. Thanks for all the people. Like I do want to say that even for myself. Thank you for all the people who have subscribed to the channel lately. And all the, the newcomers, you are welcome here. Um, but let's let's get into the meat of this thing. All right. Uh, let's talk about this idea of pastors. Now, what is a pastor? That's something that we have to discuss before we can come to a conclusion and say whether these celebrity pastors are actual pastors or not. Is And really what I'm saying by that is not to be like, oh, they're not real. Um, but my point is to say, is this biblical? Uh, is, is this idea of someone having so much clout, so much authority, 
uh, so much influence. I guess that's the word that I probably should use the most. The, uh, having that much influence, even though they're a local church pastor, or at least they're on staff as one, uh, is that a biblical thing or not? Uh, so that that's really where I want us to take this conversation. We'll talk about this for a while. Uh, but before we get into that that idea, debating back and forth, we have to ask ourselves what a pastor is. Uh, now, we want to go to the Word of God, right? So uh, we're going to go over here to uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 5 and uh, look at just a couple of verses here. Uh, Peter writes, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing, not out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory in the same way. You who are younger, be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. All right, so this gives us three different words. I want us to really notice that right off the bat because some people get lost uh, in this idea of pastors uh, because, because the Bible, Bible uses different words, and sometimes, sometimes they would say those would be different roles within the local church. church. Now, I've, I've said, said it before, before. I don't, my 1689 is way over there, so I'm not going to bring it out. Um, and if that scares you, I'm sorry. I would like to think that I'm a kind 1689er. Um, but uh, I would bust that out and show you what it, what it says about pastors. Um, but... Other denominations, different denominations within the Christian faith uh, might differentiate these roles and say, all right, well, there's a pastor, then there's an elder, and then there's an overseer, or some mixture of that. They would separate it into more than just one. I think it's very clear here in 1 Peter 5 that this is talking about the same role. Um, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. Uh, that shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing. These are all the three words that the Bible uses to talk about this role of someone who is uh, preaching and teaching and exercising authority over the congregation. Uh, the three words that the, the Bible uses to talk about this are right here, synonymous. Um, that this is one role. So a pastor, uh, that, the, that main word is shepherd. Uh, in, in the Greek. That, that's what it means. It means to shepherd. It means to take care of. Uh, so when we're talking about pastors, like, yes, they, they are elders. Uh, they should be experienced. And we know that's definitely not talking about age because uh, Titus is so young and he talks about him being an elder. Uh, so I think it's pretty clear that we can understand that we're talking about experience, uh, not necessarily just knowledge, but the application of knowledge in real life scenarios. Maybe wisdom would be a better word to put there. Um, but we're talking about those individuals. Um, so they are not necessarily older, but they're experienced and they are to shepherd. They're supposed to take care of people and they are the overseers. Now, this word for overseer is one that we see uh, a couple more times, specifically in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and also in Titus 1, where we have these two examples of what the qualifications for elders, uh, for pastors, and I'm going to use the, all these words synonymously of elders, shepherds, pastors, overseers. To me, 
they are all the same thing. thing. Um, but, but we're going, going to see this this list in First Timothy three and Titus one, uh, and they're very similar. There's a, a few differences in word choice. Um, oh, there's a reverb. Oh, look at that. Oh, I have my MacBook Air. Thanks, John. Oh man, what a lifesaver. I appreciate that, man. Where were the rest of you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, apparently I had my MacBook Air still going, so I hope that wasn't too bad and that you guys were able to understand. Yeah, welcome to my channel, you know? <laughs> this, this is what I do. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'd like to think that I'm good with tech stuff, but sometimes, you know, live streaming is complicated. <sighs> Let me know. It's all off now. But you can still hear me. Right? Guys. Guys? Are you there? I need to know. Um, I'm pretty sure everything should be sounding good now, but I'm going to mute everything else except for got to have each other's back. I appreciate that, John. Uh, also, if you're new to my channel, I'm going to say this, like go and follow some of my friends. Uh, if you look on my, um, YouTube channel, like, uh, there's, there's like a little, like, it's like channels, I think is the name of it. And I have a few channels listed there. John would be one of them. Uh, go over and uh, go subscribe to his channel. He made actually quite a bit of content on this John MacArthur stuff as well. Uh, so I'm sure that you'd be benefited from that. Um, all right. So I think I think that we're all in the, all good. All right. I appreciate it, Brandon. I didn't get to shout you out last time. I saw you in the chat and then I couldn't find you before. All is good. I appreciate that. All right. So let's keep on going here. Uh, and let's actually move over to uh, these qualifications here in First Timothy chapter 3. So this is what we're going to do. We're just going to look at this thing, and we're going to find out what it means to be a biblical pastor, and then we're going to apply it to these guys and whether that fits. Uh, so First Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. So we're just going to stop. I'm an expositor, which is why for so long I respected John MacArthur and really looked up to his ministry. And there's still a lot of good to get out of that. I'm going to say that. Um, but uh, we're going we're gonna to dive deep into this. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, I want to talk about that for a minute because there are so many people that talk about the idea of being pastor and uh, they like to use the word called that you are called to be an apostle or, uh, well, yeah, you'd be, have to be called to be an apostle, but called to be a pastor. Um, that is not anywhere in the new Testament. I have a video on my channel, uh, about that talking about how that we get those words from the old Testament, from like being a prophet, someone had to be called to be a prophet. Uh, and we also see in connection to our salvation that we're called to salvation. Uh, but we don't actually have that language for the idea of pastors. So we do have a couple references of like Paul uh, being called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Um, and then even if you want to take it, you could look at Paul and Barnabas in Antioch and the Holy Spirit saying, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas. Um, but most likely you didn't have that. Most likely you didn't have, like, any pastor uh, would have that, like, 
God spoke to them audibly and told them, I have called you to do this specific work. We don't have that. Uh, but we do have this language here of aspiring to be an overseer. Now, what does that word mean? It means to desire that it's something within you. Now, who put it there? I, I think that it, like if it's good, then I, I think that we can say that that's God. That's the working of the Holy Spirit. But uh, you have to want it. I was, I was looking at last, oh, two years ago now. I have about three chapters done of a book that I was writing on uh, desiring a good work is what I called it. Because I've just seen this so often of people like um, even uh, Jason K. Allen, whoever, the, the Midwestern president um, in SBC, uh, he came out with a book. And it was like Discerning Your Call or something like that. And I've just seen that so often of, oh, it's a call and you have to be called and, to be a pastor. But then it's like, what does that even look like? Like, I didn't, I didn't have these experiences of, um, you know, hearing God in the middle of the night like Samuel, you know, uh, calling and saying, you need to go and speak for me. Like, pastors don't have that. So what does it mean to be called? Now, there are some people uh, who have different ideas. Like, I recommended this when I was talking about um, um, preaching. Uh, best books on preaching. Uh, this is from Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, Preaching and Preachers. Um, but he he's talking about this idea of a call. And he says, It has often happened that young men with certain gifts who listen to a great preacher are captivated by him and what he is doing. They are captivated by his personality or his eloquence. They are moved by him. And unconsciously, they begin to feel a desire to be like him and to do what he is doing. Now, that may be right or it may be quite wrong. They may only be fascinated by the glamour of preaching and attracted by the ideas of addressing audiences and influencing them. Now, uh, while I still disagree with Martin Lloyd-Jones, which is something I rarely say, uh, uh, but I disagree with his idea of calling. I can't argue with that, that there has to be something more than just like attraction. And, and I think this word aspire, this word, maybe your Bible translates it as desire. I think it's deeper than just attraction to something. This isn't just like a fancy, like you, you just have like kind of like this daydream. Like, uh, while I was in pastoral ministry, I was going through a lot of hard stuff actually, somewhat related to this whole topic of John MacArthur and Eileen Gray. Yes, I've been that guy who has emergency meetings, you know, when bad news comes out, what are we going to do about it? Uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I remember during that time, like having like this daydream of looking out my, my office and, and seeing the, the mailman and just being like, man, wouldn't that be nice just to be a mailman? just to go and deliver the news or uh, deliver these letters and, uh, you know, deliver packages and people be happy to see you. Who's not happy to see the mailman, right? Like everyone's happy to see that guy. You don't know what's going to be in the mail, probably bills, but maybe sometimes it's, you know, an Amazon package or something and it's fun. Um, but I just had this daydream. Now I tried it for a little bit, went to North Carolina and worked as a mailman and it's the worst job I've ever had. Oh, it was, it was horrible. And so that, that, that moment of thinking like this could be a good thing of thinking like, oh, I could want that. Um, 
didn't last very long. <laughs> and so uh, I would say that would be like an attraction to something just of, of kind of like, oh, this would be kind of fun to, to do this. Maybe a lot of people, I, I would say, a lot of people probably look at the idea of a pastor and they make the jokes of like, oh, wouldn't it be fun to just work one day a week? You know, like that kind of stuff. And they think of it as, oh, a pastor is just someone who goes and talks in front of people. And I think that's a part of the like big problem here. So I would agree with uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones that there are probably lots of young men who have looked at what a pastor does and, and they have a certain attraction for that. They want to be in front of people. Uh, they want to be looking out and seeing people respond to what they're saying. And um, a lot of people probably are in ministry because of that. And so I do think that while we're talking about something that you would want for yourself, not, you know, an outside force forcing it on you, not your, uh, for a lot of young men, and I can say this from personal experience, uh, not from your parents, not from your church background, forcing that on you um, or manipulating you or even just like constantly like being like, hey, this is a good thing. Um, you know, not for that, those reasons for, but for you actually wanting to do it for yourself. I want to be a pastor, but that want has to be deeper than just like, I'm attracted to this idea of that. And I would also say, you know, what, um, Martin Lloyd Jones said there is true, uh, because right here it's, he desires a noble work. Like he has to aspire to be like the whole thing of what it means to be a pastor and overseer. Uh, someone who is overseeing the congregation, who is exercising the spiritual authority that I would say is found when they communicate God's word to the people, not in like their position. Um, but when they do that, then it's a good thing when they aspire the whole office, not just like the, the fun stuff of being on stage on Sunday, which to me, like that was never my jam. Like I had to. <laughs> But I'm I'm more of like, I want to be in, in my office studying. That's the fun part. Uh, then going up on stage, someone else could do that part. Um, I know. It's the whole thing. You got to do the whole thing. Verse 2. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach. So in other words, uh, nobody's got dirt on them. Nobody's got stuff that they've, they've hidden, uh, you know, that, that they just know about and, you know, like, oh, but did you know he has this vice, this thing, this sinful issue in his life? Uh, none of that. He has to be above reproach. And so I would say that this is some of like the, uh, like the makings of that. Like what it means to be above reproach. Here's, here's what that looks like. The husband of one wife. It doesn't mean you have to be married. Uh, but it does mean that you have to be um, faithful that you are a one woman man that that's the idea there uh self-controlled so <laughs> the these guys who have tempers and uh we'll talk about it a little bit more here in a sec because there's another qualification that directly relates to this but look at look at how they use their social media like are they always just yelling is it all caps all the time uh self-controlled sensible, that they're reasonable, that you can actually have a conversation with them and they're not going to jump off the deep end right off the bat and say you're a terrible person. That happens way too often. Respectable, so that people look at him and say, like, this is someone that I respect. Uh, hospitable. Now, this is one that I want to camp on for a couple minutes. 
um, because I just find it very interesting and somewhat alarming. Uh, so many of these, like when we talk about celebrity pastors, you ask like how much, like how much, uh, interaction do they have with their congregation? And a lot of times, like you find out that they just don't like, sometimes they just like, don't period. Like they don't interact with their congregation. Um, now I will say like, as your congregation gets bigger, like it becomes more and more of a problem. Maybe, maybe some of you guys watching this, if you're a pastor, uh, you're at a, you're at a bigger church. Maybe you got four to 500, you know, the typical church in the United States is about a hundred people. Um, up here in Canada, it's even, it's even smaller than that. I would say it's probably closer to 50. Um, but, and you know, maybe you're at a bigger church and you go like, I can't, I can't have everyone over to my house, you know, like all the time. Like I, it's hard for me to even work in like, maybe like, uh, half of the families over one year. Like that's one thing, but to cut it off and say like, all right, well, this person can't interact. Like there's like these green rooms for a lot of these guys, like Stephen Furtick and, um, you know, Mark Driscoll and some of like these bigger names, like they're just off like before the congregation or before worship, they're just off somewhere and no one knows where they're at and no one's interacting like with those, with those specific leaders, they have volunteers instead. That's just not right. We're supposed to be hospitable. Now I did find it interesting, you know, cause I do have John MacArthur's commentaries. <laughs> um, I thought, well, let's, let's see what he has to say about some of these things. And I just found it very interesting how he writes about this idea of being hospitable, because I mean, if you've ever watched anything from, um, John MacArthur's church, like specifically like Shepherd's Conference. That's the most of the time when I've tuned in, uh, in like watch, not just like listen to on a podcast or something. Um, you can't talk with them. Like even Shepherd's Conference, they have like these red, like it's like a movie theater. Like when, when you're going in with your ticket and you have to show proof of your ticket and then they, then you get to go in, they have like those, those ropes, like they have ropes where you cannot go over and interact with the speakers and they have special entrances for the speakers <laughs> and like all this kind of stuff. Is that, is that hospitable? Well, what does it mean to be hospitable? Here's what John MacArthur says. Uh, fifth church leaders must be hospitable. That word translates, uh, to a compound word from the Greek words for to love and strangers. The word thus literally means to love strangers. Uh, that's a huge error. <laughs> I, I will say like, um, it's surprising to me for someone who, uh, you know, started a seminary. That's not how Greek words work of like compound words. And so that's what it means is like this and this, this, it might sound good, but it's not how Greek words work. Um, but to love strangers, it is a frequently commanded Christian virtue. Romans 12, 13, Hebrews 13, 2, 1 Peter 4, 9. It does not refer to entertaining friends. This is what he puts. But showing hospitality to strangers. Uh, and then he has a couple verses where he points to and says, this is why it is that way. Uh, the problem with that is that those verses that he talked about, Romans 12, 13, Hebrews 13, 2, 1 Peter 4, 9. Like, if you read those, it's not about entertaining strangers. And I just found that to be very interesting. Uh, let's see. I think I have. Yeah. 
Um, so here's first Peter four, nine, be hospitable to one another without complaining. This is Peter talking to believers and saying, Hey, be hospitable to each other. So if you take his, uh, interpretation that it means to love strangers like that, that doesn't work because the Bible is pretty clear. This is about Christians. Like this isn't about strangers. It's about the local church that you're supposed to be hospitable to each other. And Romans 12 is also in regards to that. So I just found it very interesting that he would interpret it that way, which is clearly wrong, like abundantly wrong. <laughs> and uh, I think the reason why is because he knows he can't. Um, and maybe, maybe this is how he gets around that fact, but, uh, I'm showing my cards. I don't think that a celebrity pastor, um, and you know, there's different levels to this thing. I don't want to just say as a blanket statement for all of them, um, because I'm sure that there are, like I saw somewhere, somewhere on Twitter, uh, someone was talking about JD Greer being one of these guys in relation to like celebrity pastors and the John MacArthur stuff and that they're out of touch. They like detached from the congregation. Someone was saying, well, JD Greer has done all these things with me. So I can't, I can't prove that and say, Oh, well, every member has access to JD Greer like that. But what I'm saying is that there's probably uh, some nuance there. Um, like even I can say for John Piper, um, you know, uh, at his conferences, I've been to them and I've met him and talked to him. And there wasn't some like security guard. Uh, there wasn't like a group like with Johnny Mac of security people that you can't interact with this person. There were no ropes. You just, there he is. And you can go and talk to him. And I talked to him very awkwardly because I was like fanboying out a little bit. Uh, probably wouldn't do that as much today, but at the time, you know, really, really loved him. And so like, I was like, I just want to say thank, thank you for your ministry. And then like that, it was time for him to go up. And <laughs> I just remember like, Oh, it looks like it's time for you to go up. And like immediately like ran away. So, um, same thing happened to me with Gordon Hayward, who's an NBA player that I saw at the mall of America. And I was like, I did take a picture with him, but I was like fanboying out. And so it's like that kind of thing. Um, so I'm saying there, there are levels. That's the main point. <laughs> there are levels to this thing. Um, but I think it's interesting that John MacArthur interprets the word hospitable to mean like a general idea of being welcoming of strangers. Uh, no, that's not what the word means. It means to be welcoming to people. And so in your local context, a pastor is to be hospitable to those people in his church. He should know them. And I mean, isn't that like the base of like, if you're going to be shepherding someone through their life, which is the whole idea of being a pastor, like that, you know, them, like you should at least know their name and like who who's in their family. Like you should get to know your congregation. Um, so, and you need to be having them in. And some pastors don't like that. You know, they, they like to be separate from the congregation. They, they feel like there's like some respect, some authority that will be lost um, to which I say, no. Uh, because like what we saw in first Peter five, like you're supposed to be an example to them. How can you be an example if you're so set apart from them anyways? Uh, so I would say that this is one of the main things, like if you're going to look at celebrity pastors and say, yeah, depending on where they take it and how far they go with like not interacting with the congregation, if there's no relationship between the congregation and that celebrity pastor, I mean, they might as well be a screen. You know, that was a huge thing back in, back in the day. 
of multi-site churches and like that it's a screen and how can you have a relationship with a screen? Well, just because he's physically there doesn't mean that he's doing anything different than would be watching a video. Uh, so I think this is a, a key to this, this idea of being hospitable. I'd be interested to know what you think, though. Um, let's see. Hospitable, able to teach. Now, this is the main distinction that would separate a deacon from an elder or pastor. Um, and the idea here throughout uh, the pastoral epistles, the idea of teaching is the preaching event. Um, so you can basically say apt to preach. Um, but that, that's the idea. And that's one of the main ideas about being a pastor is a shepherd teacher, like in uh, Ephesians 4, which we'll look at in a little bit. Um, but you got to be able to preach the word, to teach the word. And obviously, um, that's one of the, the main pros, if you will, of one of these celebrity pastors. They are very gifted speakers. So with that, a lot of them are going to be able to say, yeah, I can do that. Able to teach. Not an excessive drinker, which um, maybe your Bible translates uh, not given to much wine. Um, this is interesting because like, I, I, I come from a very conservative background. And maybe at some point I'll do a video about this on alcohol and the Christian. And my thoughts have changed quite a bit. I'll just say that. But I found it very interesting what John MacArthur had to say about this. You know, all right, he took, took a lot of liberties with the word hospitable. But let's, let's see what he does with this word. And this is just kind of a fun one. Uh, another requirement for one who desires to be an elder is he not be addicted to wine. Uh, this quality is not concerned with whether or not he gets drunk. To which we should all go like, wait, what? Obviously, someone given to drunkenness would in no way be qualified for the ministry. An elder who is not addicted to wine is a man who does not have a reputation. Where did that come from? Like this word reputation is going to come up in a, a minute as well. As a drinker, he doesn't frequent bars or involve himself in the scenes associated with drinking. Associated. Now, as a, coming from a, an IFB background, I know what that word means. Later on, just like a paragraph later, he writes, A man who is a drinker has no place in the ministry. He is a poor example and will surely be the cause of serious sin and disaster in the lives of others who follow his example as drinkers, justifying their indulgence because of their leader. A leader must be a man whose associations are radically different from those of the world and whose example leads others to righteous conduct, not sin. Uh, so that's what he published in his commentary. Okay. So this is not just like, this is my, this is how I view it of like, you know, this is how I live my life. I think it's a slippery slope of alcohol, you know, all those kind of things. When you read that, you go, Oh, that's fundamentalist talk of just like, no flat out. He shouldn't have any when, I mean, we don't see that. He says not an excessive drinker. Uh, in the Greek, it's not given to much wine. That, like, yes, he's right about the uh, the idea of being addicted, um, but then he takes it and says, "Well, of course, you know that would be the thing." But also, and it says very rigidly that you cannot be given to any of that. So I just find it interesting the liberties that he takes with the word hospitable, and then like the strictness when it comes to some of these topics that uh, he's more concerned about. Um, not a bully, but gentle. Oh man, the Twitter. <laughs> I just like right now, like that's kind of where my mind just goes with a lot of these guys. It's like, but online, 
You're so mean. <laughs> like, granted, I'm pretty passionate online, like on, on, on my channel and on my Twitter. And maybe some people would look at that and say like, oh, I think he, he's way too bold on some things when he says some things. Uh, but then go read some of these guys, you know, like some of these guys who would fit into this camp. Uh, some of the, like the people who signed stuff like the statement on social justice. Yeah, I said it. Um, go, go and read some of their tweets and say, all right, is this person not a bully, but gentle? Oh boy. Not quarrelsome. So not getting into fights all the time. Not always looking for a fight, not escalating things. Uh, again, Twitter, not greedy. He must manage his own household competently and have his children under control with all dignity. And every, like, basically what that means is that everything's going good at the home. Like, there's not a bunch of chaos. It doesn't mean, like, this person is perfect. Otherwise, every pastor would be disqualified as soon as their kids turn into teenagers. Like, immediately <laughs> disqualified. Um, so it's not that, like, he has everything in subjection to himself. Uh, but just like as a general rule for his home, things are going well. There's not a bunch of chaos. The kids aren't like going and drinking all the time, coming home, partying. And like just like the parents, one of them being a pastor is like, I have no idea what to do with these kids. Like not that kind of thing. If anyone who does not know how to manage his own household, uh, well, how will he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert. Um. I just, I just find it interesting sometimes with some of these stories of people. I'm not going to name names, but there's some famous people, which I could get in a lot of trouble if I name names of who I think would be unqualified from this. Um, but like some of these stories of like, I used to be this. I used to be an atheist, for example. Uh, I used to be an atheist, but now I believe in God. So six months later, I get a platform and I'm an elder at a church. Like what? <laughs> like... Not everyone's Paul. Not everyone goes from like, oh, I'm going to capture all these Christians and haul them to jail and, you know, hold coats while somebody stones them to death. And then like, oh, I get to go and preach the gospel. But even him, three years, three years in the desert. Uh, so I, I think that's a good principle to have of just there has to be a time in between these things. If someone is so wrong where they don't get the gospel right, regardless of like whether they would claim to be Christian like some subsect of Christianity or whether they're just full on like an atheist or agnostic. Um, and then they become a Christian. There should be time of separation where they learn, where they grow, where they humble themselves before they're given platforms and told that they're qualified to be elders. Just saying. Um, so not new converts. Um, let's see here. Uh, or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. It's, usually how it goes. Someone who goes from a real, real extreme usually stays at an extreme. Just saying, if they don't have a time uh, to kind of just humble themselves and calm down a little bit, uh, usually they stay pretty extreme about things. It will be a different thing, but they'll be extreme about that thing too. Uh, furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he does not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. So other people have to like them. Uh, so this is what it means to be a pastor. Now, if you go through this list, I think that the main glaring thing that would you would look and you say, "What? all right, can these celebrity pastors do these things? Is one, uh, there's got to be some accountability to know whether these things are accurate. You know, like a lot of these people, like I said, are, are detached from their congregations. So they don't have a lot of people in their lives who are going to say, oh, yeah, 
you know, like they have a problem with this or they have, um, you know, this sin problem and all of that. And like they built themselves into such a, such a way, such a castle that they, they, no one gets in, you know, there's, there's a huge moat around them and no one is able to, uh, get past the walls and find out what's really inside of this castle. Nobody knows who these people are really. Um, at least sometimes that would be true. So I'd say accountability is a huge part of this to be able to even understand whether these uh, qualifications would be accurate for one of these individuals. Um, but I do think that some of these things like um, not a bully, but gentle. A lot of times when these stories come out about celebrity pastors, uh, they use um, very, very much bullying tactics uh, to keep their authority to keep their, their power. And, you know, sometimes, you know, things get misunderstood between people and, um, you know, people get hurt, feelings get hurt in ministry. That happens. That's, that's accurate. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you read these stories and you're like, wait, what? And uh, different tactics that even involve like publishing of books and different things. You're just like, oh, that's, that's a bully. That's, that's not someone who is uh, gentle. That's someone who's quarrelsome. That's someone who's greedy. Um, but then I think the big, the big thing there would be that of being hospitable. Um, so those would be the qualifications. So what, what is a pastor then supposed to do with those qualifications? I will say if there are qualifications, that means there's a reason for the qualifications so that they should be exercising these things. Like in first Peter five, the idea of being an example to the flock, they should be exemplifying these qualifications to the congregation. How can they do that if they're detached, if they're far away, uh, if they're not having the interaction, if they're not involved in the day-to-day -day workings of that local church? How can that be done? Uh, let's look here, um, not at this one. Let's go here to Ephesians 4, uh, verse 12. So, like, those are the qualifications, but what is a pastor mainly supposed to do, and can they do that as celebrity pastors? Well, here he says... Uh, in this huge list of like all these different uh, gifts uh, that God has given to the local church, and He Himself gave Himself uh, or gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, and I would say that's the same idea. Uh, verse twelve to equip uh, the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. That's the main goal of a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to make sure that they have everything they need in life as a Christian to succeed, uh, to love God, to love others, to share the gospel with others, uh, to progress in their walk with Jesus. That's the main goal of a pastor. So how do they do that? Well, of course, teaching would be a main aspect of that. What they do on a Sunday morning or, um, you know, different Bible studies and things like that of equipping them, giving them the tools that they need, but also being there for them to build up the body of Christ, to lovingly edify them, to uh, cause them to be more and more like Jesus. Uh, so this is what a pastor is supposed to do in the life of the local church for its members. And now you got to ask that question. Can a celebrity pastor do these things? Can they equip the saints for the work of ministry? Well, yes, through their teaching. But what about the inner workings? What about when somebody has a question? Well, you can't get a hold of that pastor. You can't go and talk to that pastor. They're too busy. You can talk to 
the assistant of their assistant and maybe you'll get through, <laughs> you know, like that kind of stuff. Uh, to build up the body of Christ, they can't do that. Not, not from the platform. Uh, so for me, I look at celebrity pastors and, you know, I used to just look at them as like the Stephen Furtick's and the people with questionable theology, at least from my point of view, um, you know, those kind of guys or like the ones who are very obviously trying to build more and more campuses and have as many people as possible. And everything is like about numbers, like some of those guys are out there <laughs> and like those those are the ones I looked at as celebrity pastors. But now uh, with things going on with John MacArthur's church, I think it's very clear that one of the main problems in that specific scenario is how. There, there is a pastor there who didn't even talk with Eileen. Not once. Didn't even talk with her. But, you know, trusted the, the uh, whatever the levels uh, of pastors that they have. There's, uh, like I noticed too, like there's, he's their pastor teacher. And then there's a bunch of staff pastors. And they're just titled staff pastors. I, just, I found that interesting. But, you know, like there's like this, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for when delegating? Um, you know, obviously he delegated some of the like the wor inner workings of counseling to Hardy and Shannon. And obviously that backfired. I think that's pretty clear. Uh, but shouldn't he have gotten involved when all of this was going like wrong? And like there was talk about getting the authorities involved and things like that. Like, how involved was he in that life of the local church? Now, I know that there are probably lots of people who are like, well, he was at my mom's funeral, you know, or maybe he did my mom's funeral, you know, like stuff like that. I'm sure that there are people, but I'm saying when the regular congregant can't get a hold of that pastor, uh, has no way to like really be able to access them. I don't think that you can say that that person is pastoring people. Like maybe they're pastoring the staff. Like I, I would say that. Like uh, like maybe they view it as like the the pastor, the senior pastor, the teaching pastor, whatever you want to call that. Um, but they are delegating to the under shepherds, if you will, the staff pastors, and that they're kind of pastoring that group, and then those people pastor their own groups. But that's not what the Bible says a pastor is. Like we looked at it. We looked at the qualifications. I don't think that you can say that someone who would do that and not interact with those specific individuals, uh, I don't think that you can rightly call them a biblical pastor if they're not interacting with the congregation. Um, I mean, look at Jesus. Like no one was busier than Jesus, okay? <laughs> like, and Jesus had moments where he, yes, you could look at it and say, okay, he had his disciples and they went out and did ministry. But look at all the personal interactions of Jesus. He wasn't too busy for the woman at the well. You know, he wasn't too, too busy for the centurion's child. He wasn't too busy for example after example after example. Look at the Gospels. <laughs> Uh, like that's, that's what it should look like. Like, I get it that you can't be interacting with everyone all the time when you have some of these bigger churches. Um, but you should be able to be accessible. Maybe there's a waiting line. 
um, but you should be able to be accessible. Spurgeon was accessible. Uh, he, he had people coming into his office every Monday. A huge line out the door. Spurgeon was maybe the most popular person in London at that time. Uh, and he was still accessible to his congregation. Uh, so I think that we need to be really thinking through this thing. And maybe, maybe that also means that we shouldn't have as big of churches as we do. Church planting. Maybe not just a necessity of getting the gospel out, but also a necessity of being held accountable by the congregation. Like to be able to have fewer people. Like there are, there are different numbers out there, but there's at least 8,000 people at Grace Community Church. How can one person be pastoring them like, and be involved in their daily lives? For me, I just view that as like a huge, huge problem that is never going to be able to be solved unless it becomes fewer people. I don't think like you can apply all the business tactics in the world and try to make it as efficient as possible. I just don't see how that's going to work out. So that's my thoughts on it. I'd be interested to know what your thoughts are. Uh, if you haven't liked this video yet, uh, maybe you've been watching for a bit, and uh, like the video. Hit the button. It really helps me out. Uh, and think about subscribing to the channel. Let's see uh, who's who's in here. Uh, Corey, Corey said something earlier. I wanted to look at. I'm glad she didn't pull out from the faith over it. Also, you had dual audio. Oh, you were helping me out too when you shared screenshot. I appreciate that. Uh, and it's true, man. Uh, looking at Eileen Gray's uh, testimony and what she's doing. Ruslan had a really good video. He's had a bunch of good videos about this. Um, but uh, he had one where he was sharing like what Eileen is up to these days. And it's so encouraging to see someone who's been so hurt and I think wronged. Uh, by her church still, you know, not uh, deconstructing their faith, but being there and being faithful. I, I think that's so beautiful. Uh, <laughs> and Corey also says, not the FedEx guy, though. Yeah, that didn't look fun. Like the mailman, USPS, that looks that looks fun. It looks like, you know, just a relaxing job. It's not. Oh, it's crazy. Oh, it's it's stressful. <laughs> Never going back. Uh, John Adams. Uh, the problem with the celebrity model is if the guy gets hit by a bus, not the Driscoll bus, <laughs> uh, then the whole thing falls apart the next day. Got to make disciples, not celebrities. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting how, like, yes, the rise and fall of Mars Hill, um, like, it shows, yes, there was, like, celebrity culture there. But, I mean, it points more to the, the flaw I think, well, not more to, but one of the main things is that the, the church also lifted him up to where when he was gone, like it just dissipated. Now, uh, you know, that split off into different churches and there's a little bit of a redemption story there about some of those churches still existing. Uh, I used to have like a spreadsheet, like, cause I was interested, like I wrote down like who was the pastors, what church split where it's somewhere in my Evernote, and I should probably go back and look and see, you know, how many of these church failed or, or like, at least folded, I should say, um, and, like, who's their pastors and whether they had a big switch around. That'd be interesting for me, um, but not for this video. Uh, but I agree. Uh, you know, a lot of the times it's, you know, that person, and then when that person's gone, that church just fades into obscurity. 
Um, I mean, you can look at all different examples like, like Mars Hill, uh, New Spring with Perry Noble would be another example. Now they're still around and they're still campuses, but you know, it was exploding at the time with Perry Noble and then all this stuff happened with him. Next thing you know, James McDonald, like we have story after story of these kinds of churches built around a person and not around the gospel. And I think that's a major problem. All right, guys, uh, I don't see any more interacting here. Um, but if, like I said, if you haven't liked the video, definitely give it a like uh, before you head out. Um, I got a video coming out on Thursday. And like I said, on Saturday, I'm going to be uh, uploading a new best books on, you know, whatever the topic is. I haven't decided yet. Hey, if you would like me to give you my best books on a certain subject, let me know in the comments here. Uh, but I would be very interested to know what you guys think about all this, and I will be interacting with you in the comments. Uh, and yeah, that's about it. I'll see you in the next video. Have a good day.